It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. Even if you're not a business owner, you can still have an entrepreneurial mindset, which will serve you well. We'll look at that in our thought of the day. And in our interview segment, the always wise and relevant Dory Clark will share wisdom from her newest book, Entrepreneurial You. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. Perhaps because John David Mann's in my book, The Go-Giver, was written from the perspective of salespeople and entrepreneurs, we're often asked if the principles shared through the five laws in the book apply to employees within a corporate setting. The short answer is yes. The longer answer is still yes, but a little longer. You see, while as an entrepreneur, your success in the marketplace is dependent upon you creating experiences for your customers, both through the intrinsic value of your product or service, as well as the other aspects of the transaction, that cause them to feel as though they receive significantly more in value or use value than what they paid, similarly, Your success within a corporate structure, whether a big company, medium-sized company, or a small one, is based on those you report to feeling similarly. Let's look at it this way. As a sales professional or entrepreneur, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, or because you need the money, or even because you're a really nice person who believes in your product or service. They're going to buy from you for one overarching reason because they believe that doing so, they'll be better off than by not doing so. And that's the only reason they should buy from you, from me, or from anyone else. Well, we can say that if you work as an employee within another person's company, they're not going to hire you or keep you as an employee because you have a rent or mortgage payment, or because you need to be putting money away, or even because you're a really nice person who's willing to show up. They're going to hire you and keep you on payroll because they believe they're receiving more in value or use value than what they're paying you. In other words, they're better off by having you with them than by not having you with them. And that's the only reason why they should employ you or anyone else. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to. While as an entrepreneur, your customers, those you need to please, are most likely the end users of your product or service, as an employee, your customers, those you need to please, might include your coworkers, those you lead, those you report to, and of course, the business owner. So while you might not be an entrepreneur, you need to be an intrapreneur, an entrepreneur within another person's company. Finding ways to make the experiences involving you within that company to be of such value that you increase the chances that there's always a place for you within the company, as well as increasing the odds that your value will be recognized and that advances, promotions, and raises will be part of your employment future. Many people, though, aside from being excellent employees and entrepreneurs, also want to create an environment for themselves where they don't have to be dependent upon what might be the financial limitations of employment or even the whims of a marketplace over which they don't have control. With that in mind, my great friend Dory Clark will share wisdom from her newest book, Entrepreneurial You, 
which provides options even for those who've never before considered going into business for themselves, as well as some helpful ideas for those who've always wanted to. Dory Clark, coming up right after this. Let me ask you, would you like to become objection-proof? Would you like to close sales gentler, easier, and more effectively than ever before? Would you like to never again have to discount your prices? Would you like to learn the one thing that motivates every human being to action and the only reason why people ultimately buy? Do you want to more effectively than ever before communicate the exceptional value that you provide to your customers and clients? If you answered yes to these questions, then what you want is to learn how to sell the go-giver away. If you'd like to dramatically increase your ability to influence and sell, then check out my one-hour audio program, Selling the Go-Giver Away. For more information, click the link in the show notes. Dory Clark is an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. Former presidential campaign spokeswoman, the New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. Frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, she consults and speaks for clients including Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. She's also a producer of a multiple Grammy Award-winning jazz album. Her newest book is Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Stream Income Streams. Published by the Harvard Business Review Press, you can pick up the book at doryclark.com slash entrepreneurial you. And while there, you'll see you can download her free Entrepreneurial You Self-Assessment Workbook. Her main website is doryclark.com. We'll have all that in the show notes. Hi, Dory. Bob, thanks for having me. It is so great to have you with us. Wow, and congratulations on uh, a, a great start to this new book. I'm seeing you everywhere. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, Dory, before we get into the book itself, you learn the hard way uh, why even if you're currently employed by someone other than yourself, an entrepreneurial mindset is both, well, it's helpful on the job and in case you suddenly don't have one. And I know you experienced what you described as your wake-up call in that regard. What happened? <laughs> it's so true, Bob. It was actually my first job out of graduate school. I was a political reporter. And one day after working about a year at the paper, I got called into the HR office and I was let go. And it was a total shock to me, which, you know, nowadays when you tell this story, it's like, well, you know, what, what journalist doesn't sure. lose their job, but it was, it was 2001 mm -hmm. and this, this wasn't, this wasn't done. Uh, it was really just the first wave of all of the layoffs that came crashing down. Uh. And so I was completely surprised. They gave me literally four days severance pay wow. and then I somehow had to figure out how to support myself. But probably the, the most crazy and traumatic part of it was, of course, you know, nobody knew what would happen. But uh, the day that they chose to lay me off was Monday, September 10th, right. 2001. And the next day, uh, let me tell you, it was not a good day for job hunting. No. And, uh, you know, just everyone was was completely traumatized. So it really showed me in that moment exactly 
uh, how fast things can change, even things that seem pretty certain. And so having multiple income streams and uh, multiple ways that you are bringing in revenue is a really great idea. Even if you have a job that you mm -hmm. love and you never want to leave, it's always good to have something in your back pocket. Exactly. Now, I loved one of your reframe. Well, I loved a, a bunch of them, but one of them in particular where you discussed the transition from the old way of making money from something to making money because of something. What exactly do you mean by that? And how does that shift benefit everyone involved? Yeah, this, this actually came out of a conversation that I had a while back with a gentleman named Doc Searles, who's a well-known internet theorist. And I, I thought that this framing that he had was, uh, was profound in a lot of ways. It, it used to be that people would make money from doing something. It was pretty simple and straightforward. I used to be a journalist, and so I would write articles, and then I would get paid for those articles. Mm -hmm. And we can all understand that. But I think that one of the tricks of the new economy, and this is why uh, this is why sometimes it's a little complicated. I mean, we probably all know and can think of people in our lives who are very talented at what they do, really good, and yet they are either struggling to really make a good living at it mm -hmm. or if they are making a good living the way they're doing it honestly maybe just killing themselves and running themselves ragged because they just are working 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 and they haven't really figured out how to leverage themselves properly and i think the the answer to that to both of those situations is understanding that there's been a shift in the past 10 or 20 years that's very new and that's make, going from making money from something, which we all understood, to making money because of something. And what that really means is that instead of getting paid for the task that you perform, you monetize around it. You monetize mm -hmm. on the back end. And so my example, for instance, is that I still, in my business now, spend a lot of time writing, a lot mm -hmm. of time blogging. I get paid nothing for it now which is on one hand kind of crazy. You know, this thing I used to get paid, let's say $400 an article for, mm -hmm. I get paid nothing for, but I'm making far more money than I used to as a journalist because I have tapped into ways of making money because of it. Meaning people read the articles and they would hire me then for consulting, for mm -hmm. coaching, for uh, paid speaking engagements. And that's a way that you can actually use uh, the new economy and the leverage it provides to take your business to the next level. Well, I love that because just because a person has a talent, a skill, perhaps a passion for that skill, it doesn't necessarily mean they're making money from it. Uh, in fact, too many people with the, with those uh, uh, with those characteristics aren't making money from it. So, what you talk about really is monetizing your passions and talents. I guess you could say sustainably rewarding, emotionally, intellectually, and financially. Correct. That's that's exactly right. I mean, fundamentally in writing entrepreneurial you this this isn't necessarily a manual about you know how to create the next billion dollar silicon valley unicorn uh, that's great if that's your goal but for a lot of people that's that's not really what they're after what most people are after is freedom right however you define that that could be freedom to have uh the kind of business where you can go to the grocery store or do yoga at 10 in the morning if you want maybe it's freedom to spend more time with uh, with family or kids or taking care of uh, an ailing relative, however you define freedom, um, that's really what entrepreneurship can bring you. Well, the tweetable that I have in, in your book, you said this on page 215, the goal of freedom, which is the independence to live your life as you'd like. 
That's right. And exactly. I, I think that is a, of course, as a libertarian, that's, I mean, that's, that's the ideal that that is what freedom is <laughs> all about, right? To live your life as you see fit. So Amen. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, so you talk about seven different income streams, and I, I'd like you to touch on these if you wouldn't mind. And is it necessary to do all seven? How many of these are, are necessary? <laughs> sure. So first of all, no, nobody has to have seven income streams. This is, uh, I, I actually, I had seven when I wrote the book. I'm actually up to eight now, as a wow. matter of fact. Um, but I really intended to write Entrepreneurial You as a smorgasbord for mm-hmm. people so that they could um, read through. Uh, and of course, it's not just my experience. I interviewed more than 50 very successful, high six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs in depth about their business models and uh, and really asked a lot of detailed questions so that people can see a roadmap and be able to make choices about what's most appealing to them and what would work best for their business. But very briefly, the the ones that, that I'm currently using, um, so we talked about some of these. I started out my business, first of all, uh, doing marketing strategy consulting, which I still do some of. Uh, I also do executive coaching. I teach business school part-time for the as you mentioned, the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. I get paid to write books, as you do, uh, do paid public speaking. I have online courses that I offer. I have affiliate income from promotions from friends and colleagues that I support. And I also recently in the past year have started doing live events. Uh, so it's eight different ways that I'm bringing in money, which really in many ways de-risks my business because I have a lot of possibilities for how to bring in revenue. Okay, so let's let's look at one of these. Uh, page fifty nine. I love the story of Todd Herman. Would you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Todd's story as well because, in many ways, it speaks to a situation that a lot of us have, have faced, which is how do you get started in the first place when you have basically no connections? You live in a random place. <laughs> you know how do you how do you get it going? And uh, so Todd was. Uh, he grew up in in Western Canada. And he was a youth uh, sports coach. He uh, coached kids on on the the mental game, the mental toughness. And he wanted to get some private coaching clients. And so he decided that he was going to really ramp it up. And so he agreed to speak for free for as many places as would have him. But he made a smart decision because he realized if he was just speaking to kids, that's great. But they aren't the buyers of coaching services. So he his. Uh, point that he put out was, I'll speak for free to your organization, but the deal is that for every kid who's there, they need to have at least one parent in attendance. Mm. So he did a huge amount of talks, maybe 60 60 talks in a 90-day period. So it's just a blitz. But an amazing thing happened. And I think this shows sometimes the magic of entrepreneurship because you really can't predict what's going to happen once you really get the wheels in motion. Mm -hmm. And so in his case, uh, did he get uh, some additional youth uh, coaching clients out of it. Yeah, he did. But even more than that, some of the parents in attendance heard his talk and said, you know, I could use this at my organization. Uh. And so one of those parents was a senior person in the Canadian government and brought Todd in to, to consult for the Canadian government. Another one was an executive with an NHL hockey team Hmm. and brought Todd in. And so that's how he started working with pro athletes Uh. and using both of those, uh, organizations as pillars. Mm -hmm. He was able to dramatically change and grow and expand his consulting business so that now he has these blue chip clients and has been really able to exponentially grow what he does. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, let's take someone who has an online business, uh, Antonio Centeno, 
and he was he was promoting his online uh, customer clothing company, I think. Now, the interesting part of this was that it showed, and you can you can kind of take it unwrap it for it if you don't if you don't for us if you don't mind. If you're paying attention to what's working and what isn't working so well, you can actually make a profitable shift. That's exactly right, and I, I think this is key. Uh, a point that I that I make again and again in Entrepreneurial You mm-hmm. is that even if you're a smart person, you can't predict what the market is going to want. You you know, if if we could, we'd we'd all be bazillionaires with viral videos, right? Mm-hmm. The the best entrepreneurs put a hypothesis out there that's a reasonable hypothesis, but then they understand they need to test it and validate it. And so for Antonio, uh, he started his business with a custom men's clothing company. And that was great. And it was, it was reasonably successful. But what he came to realize was he had been creating this video series on YouTube to promote his custom uh, clothing company. He called the YouTube channel Real Men Real Style. And after a while, it started really getting popular, gaining traction. And he discovered, you know what? Actually having this uh, this real world business, it's expensive. There's, uh, you know, there's supply chain issues. You have to create all, all this stuff. Uh, he realized that the videos were working so well that he could shift his business into an information products business where he was doing online courses and doing getting sponsorships from clothing companies for placement in the videos. And that was actually far more lucrative. Mm. So he ended up shutting down the custom clothing company, huh. which was the, the original reason right, he started right. video blogging to begin with and has been running with this video blog, which now has uh, just hundreds of thousands of subscribers tens of millions of views and has become a very lucrative venture for him. Now, one other lesson, and there are so many lessons in this book, uh, had to do with a company called House Panther. I I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You are. Um, (laughs) It bills itself as the premier online magazine for, now get this, design conscious cat people. Probably like yourself, Bob. Hey, why not? You know. <laughs> now, I think many people, when they when they go to do something online or create these these other streams of income, they're worried about going too small, too niche, if you will. But actually, you say that's an excellent strategy in many cases, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, in Entrepreneurial You, one of the case studies that I profile, um, I interviewed in depth. Um, a gentleman named Clay Ebert, who's a specialist in helping uh, companies with crowdfunding. And he told the story about uh, about a uh, gentleman who was seeking crowdfunding for an invention that he had called the Kitty-O, which, uh, which was a, uh, a kind of robotic toy that allowed you to play with your cat for remote. <laughs> And, you know, like, like everybody else, this guy originally had ideas, but, oh, you know, how can I be in the Wall Street Journal? How can I get on the Today Show? How, you know, uh, you know, oh, would Oprah like it? <laughs> you right. know, all these things that, that are kind of a, a little bit pushing it, you know. No, but nobody ever wonders, nobody ever wonders if Oprah would like their product, right? No, no. never, never. <laughs> but, uh, but what, what Clay has, has really realized, and he has advised people that have raised more than $50 million through crowdfunding campaigns is that instead of of wishing and hoping for something like that, you know what, sure, it would be great. But even if you got on the Today Show, how many of those people own cats? How many of those people are really into their cats enough to spend a lot of money on this expensive thing? It's uh, it's just a diluted impact and a magic bullet that people are looking for. Instead, it's actually far more reasonable and practical and feasible to, to get on a site 
that while it may be smaller, you know, maybe your mom and granny haven't heard of it, it is way more targeted uh, to people who actually are interested in your thing. And so exactly. House Panther was perfect for this guy. And thanks to a promotion with them, he was able to attract about 13,000 names to his email list. And so basically from the minute he launched his mm -hmm. crowdfunding uh, campaign, you know, within a few hours, it was fully funded right. as a result of that targeted approach. Mm-hmm. Now let's, um, uh, you know, before we end, I think there's an important uh, topic to bring up because this is going to happen, uh, and it may not be expected for at least for first-time entrepreneurs, and that is discouragement. I mean, it is gonna happen. So, Dory, how do you help people new to entrepreneurship, either? I guess, maybe inoculate themselves against the in inevitable or just simply deal with it when it occurs. Yeah, that's that's right, Bob. Um, so many times people just uh, kind of knock themselves out of contention because they hit a roadblock. And even though we all know intellectually, like, yeah, yeah, success doesn't happen overnight. Um, in the moment when, when you are feeling it, when you are doing it, it is really, really hard to know, is it just not working yet? Or is it just not working, period? And so a lot of people end up quitting probably before they should uh, because they they do get so discouraged. And so really the, the key there is understanding and celebrating the intermediate metrics because a, a lot of folks, their definition of success is, you know, well, I'll only have succeeded if I do get on Oprah or if I, you know, make a million dollars or something that's, you know, it's an amazing goal, but you know what? It's definitely not going to happen in the first six months. Um, so I actually profile a woman in entrepreneurial you named Stephanie O'Connell, who I think really did this well. She reinvented herself from an aspiring actress to a personal finance expert. That was a great story. Yeah. TV. Oh, thank you. Yeah, she, she's really done wonderful things with, with her brand and with her business. But she said that for her, the key in getting through those moments of discouragement was really savoring the small wins and understanding that, you know, even if you're not going to get on Oprah tomorrow, the little things like the first time that an influencer that you respect retweets your post, mm -hmm. uh, you've got to celebrate that because it shows that people you respect are starting to take note of you and respect you back. Or the first time that after blogging for so long for free, someone actually offered her money to write a post. And she said that showed that other people thought that what I had to say had value. And if we can home in on that more and really understand and appreciate those small wins, it can give us the, the forward momentum that we need to continue pressing forward. Dory Clark is the author of Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams. Main website is doryclark.com. Learn more about the book and get your copy of it at doryclark.com slash entrepreneurial you. And while you're there, make sure and take her free Entrepreneurial You self-assessment workbook. And all this will be listed in the show notes. Dory, you just always bring us such fantastic wisdom through your books and uh, thank you for another great effort and best of continued success. Bob Berg, I love talking with you. So thank you so much for having me on. Main takeaway I received from Dory is that while not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur, or even if so, to go at it full time right away, there are indeed lots of options. What action were you inspired to take after listening to Dory? Please feel free to write to me at bobberg.com and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. 
Remember, The Go-Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit thegogiver.com and check out the expanded edition of the book. And while you're there, check out John David Mann's and my follow-up parable, The Go-Giver Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review, and your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.